The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to the show. And I get to start with a really cool announcement. Yours truly will be appearing in Chicago, Illinois in about two weeks for Kinky College, where I'll be teaching and entertaining the attendees. I'll be giving three classes, including one based on this podcast and another about kindness in kink. Plus, I'll have my microphone there to record some interviews. It's the weekend of March 11th through 13th, and I can't wait to meet those of you in attendance. This week, we'll have someone who might be too nice to be a dom, but loves to take people on a journey they will never forget in the most delightful way. Miss Mei Ling is the adorable dom, the girl next door that just loves to play the kinky way. Her passion and joy comes from unlocking and unblocking others' emotional and sexual journey. Having spent four years doing so for herself through her kinky world travels, she found herself whole again and able to hold space for others to do the same. Why live a life of shame and guilt when you can own it and live as boldly happy and free as can be? Start living your truth the reality you create by submission. Mei Ling is also a fetish producer and model, a kinky healer, and an overall goofball. You can adore her at her website at MissMeiLing.com. She's the adorable Dom, the Dom next door, the one that makes humans cry. Her sweet and innocent allure is a maniacal safe trap for all to fall into. So let's fall into the trap with Ms. Mei Ling, the adorable Dom, on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time anybody ever called you adorable. I call myself adorable all the time. (laughs) But do you remember the first time somebody said it to you? I do. Let's see. Mm, It wasn't a client or anybody. It's a lot of my friends. And I'm quite the jokester and very animated. They always say that I'm like an anime character and they're just like, oh, you're so adorable. I just want to eat you up. And I'm like, I'll eat you up. (laughs) And so I just thought, well, that's what I'm going to call myself. The adorable Dom. First time you realized that being a dom is what you wanted to do. You know, professionally, I didn't realize that that was an option until I have been doing it for a lifestyle for seven years. I just thought it was like something people do. And this is how you form connections and build beautiful relationships everywhere that you go. And this is really how I traveled. Um, I learned so much uh, traveling the world and learning from different folks from everywhere. And uh, yeah, I was just like, how do I keep doing this when I don't travel anymore? 
And that's when I found out that you can make money doing it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, this is crazy. And at that time when I was traveling, people were putting me up in like penthouse suites and flying me out to visit them here and there. And I was just like, wow, this is a great life. <laughs> First time you set foot in one of those penthouse suites and your thoughts about it. I thought, this is it. I have made it. This is what success looks like. And then a huge like flooding rush of emotions pass over my body. And it gave me an insight into my clientele of like, wow, they have all of this, but are very lonely. Cause like, they'll give me this space. Right. And, but they're not with me the entire time. And I'm not there with my friends per se. And so I was just like, you know, searching for a type of connection to share this experience with, with other people. Um, and I was like, oh, this is kind of sad. No, oh, I get it. I get it. I just want to cuddle you and hold you. Come here. Let me pet your head. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, really eye-opening. Yeah. Really, really grateful and appreciative for that these experiences all the time but giving me that perspective of like what you envision is so glamorous right like what you see in the movies and you're like yeah just like spending that cash whatever just like in this great luxurious space and whatnot but like majority of the time it's like yeah they're just kind of by themselves sad wallowing maybe drinking alcohol <laughs> mm. Do you remember the first time you seen professionally and what was it like? When I saw someone do it professionally? When you did it professionally. When I did it professionally. Um, you know, I will always remember my first client. Hey, you know, he's my first. <laughs> and it was really beautiful. Because it happened by chance, like, you know, this is my first time, so I had no idea how I was screening people, what I was doing, um, the correct process of, like, how to pick people who to play with and whatnot. And, yeah, he just was so sweet, didn't really know what he was looking for, and I really didn't know what I was going into it. And it just was this beautiful scene and at the end, you know, we're just talking and looking at each other and we're like, thank you for being my first, you know, it was his first, it was my first. And it was just like, oh, we did it. I think this is, I think this is a thing. Like, I don't know if this was a thing, but like, whatever it was, this was a success. And uh, yeah, I just wanted more of it. <laughs> First time you ever received a message from one of your clients mentioning how you had helped them with a sexual trauma in their life. Mm. Oh, I'm trying to think back to the first time, first time, but it was, oh, very much like my specific niche uh, that I get into is diaper play. And because it is very taboo and an outlier kink, I think a lot of people carry a lot of shame when it's so misunderstood. And so reaching out to them and or them reaching out to me and having just like a normal conversation about it literally not even doing anything, right? Just talking about it. They were like, wow, thanks for this conversation. Like just having somebody to talk to is just like, it pains my heart, honestly, that like they can't discuss this with anybody with like a negative, uh, without a negative impact uh, or uh, yeah. It's, it's very saddening and 
I wish that people were just more open-minded. And I feel like a lot of the times when you are in this day and age, everyone's like, yeah, I'm so open-minded. I am really enlightened. I'm open to all these experiences and stuff. And as soon as you present them with something different, as soon as you present them with something out of the norm, they're just like, well, that's too different for me. That's not what I wanted. And I'm like, excuse me, you, first of all, people aren't specific in what they're asking for. And so you you throw it out there, right? And so you're just like, okay, well, I don't have too many guidelines. So here's, or creative, uh, you know, boundaries. And so here's what I envision. And they're just like, huh, that's not what I envisioned. And then they start critiquing a lot. And you're just like, ah, come on. (laughs) You're not helping me here. When we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, we'll talk about the journey of Miss Mei Ling and how she ended up in one of the most exciting cities in the world when we come back. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes Mistress, now available on Kindle, And you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Hi folks, Key Barrett here, and I've got a question for you. Do you think your wife or girlfriend makes the best decisions and you want to support her any way you can? Ladies, do you think your partner works best when they're told exactly what you want? both might be looking for a female-led relationship. From mild to wild, these strong relationships have one thing in common, satisfaction. Read Surrender Submit Server on Audible, Kindle, and Paperback today to start your female-led journey, and good luck. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at WhatWomenWantP1 on Twitter, WhatWomenWantPodcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the program where I'm joined by Miss Mei Ling, the adorable Dom. And from the pictures that you sent me and the ones we've been using in social media, it's easy to see why. But when was it that your kinky side came out? What was the seminal moment that said, I may actually enjoy this? The more I think about it, the more I realize I had always been a weirdo (laughs) at a young age, I think like in elementary school. I was uh, quite the school bully. I was like hitting boys a lot, which is not good. Don't do it, kids. They didn't give consent or they didn't pay you money. (laughs) Um, And then in high school, I remember drawing so much hentai porn, a lot of tentacle dicks just all over my notepads. Um, But I didn't really know you know, that there was a community out there that like really lived this lifestyle until um, I was doing a yoga class 
And in this yoga class, they're like, oh, we're going to do shibari too. And I was just like, what the heck? That's cool. That's cool. I'm not, yeah, I'm an open-minded person. Let's do it. (laughs) And so you do like partner yoga with uh, shibari. So it messes with your balance, right? And you're just like, hello, stranger that I have never met before. Here, you have my life in your hands. Uh, Please do not drop me because I will injure myself. I'm tied up. (laughs) And it just broke down so many barriers and walls for me that uh, that specific experience. um, Yeah, where you literally just, I had the best time, you know, just, it was a very different type of touch as well. I think a lot of people go through life not experiencing the varieties of touch. There is like, hey, let me hold your hand. There is the gentle caress. There is the teasing seduction. There is like the nurturing but firm type of touch. Um, And in this moment, I had never experienced this trusting a complete stranger to hold me up and touching me in very vulnerable parts of my body but in a non-sexual way mm-hmm. and I was like mind blown and from there I was just like okay I want to know more give me more <laughs> and literally two days later one of the people who were tying me up or tying the individuals up in the yoga class uh, took me to a dungeon and she was like this is what it's about and I was like what that was amazing (laughs) it was incredible um I was like a kid in a candy store and I just wanted to eat everything up (laughs) to this day I'm still trying new candies (laughs) what did you do the first time you walked into a dungeon um I'm very energetic and not understanding the, uh, you know, what the protocols are and the uh, etiquette was. Mm -hmm. I was that fool that kind of ran up and around all the rooms and like was kind of loud and was like, what's this, what's that? (laughs) Asking people so many questions. And then uh, I got wrangled in and was like, hey, don't do that. I will answer your questions, but be good and I was like okay (laughs) Uh, and so yeah I got to try spanking people and like being spanked and electro play and like yeah and more rope and just the variations of sensations and touch and really honing in all of that um excited energy and focusing it more like hyper focusing it really on a certain person specific person on a specific body part per se um and yeah it just kind of blurred out the rest of the world even though you're in this dungeon space with a whole bunch of people and a bunch of different scenes going on and you're just like okay i don't even remember the music that's playing you know everything just slows down in time you can hear the other person's heartbeat and their breath and you're just ah it's great (laughs) i think when the world thinks of bdsm Mm -hmm. and kink they are thinking of the intensity and i'm talking about the world on the outside they are thinking very much about the intensity about the hard-hitting about whips, about very stringent bondage or very difficult situations. But what you've just described is what I hear the most from professional dominatrixes and uh, as well as people in the lifestyle. It's about the connection. It's not about all the intensity unless that's what you want. Definitely. I think um, people like to share the most intense things, right? They want to be like, I did this super 
badass scene or I got like so many needles stuck inside of me, blah, blah, blah. And if that's like the first interaction that someone has to BDSM, they're just like, whoa, that's crazy. But honestly, with the varieties of touch, there are a variety of levels of everything, of scenes and of everyday life, right? You, even with sex, you will have different type of sex with different partners, different times of day. At the beginning, it could be super passionate or it could be super awkward because you're just figuring out each other's bodies. Nobody talks about like, you know, the awkward scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I had this session where like we walk in and nobody knew what where the boundaries were. You know, nobody talks about that, right? They just want to give the best because everybody kind of steps in with like their best foot forward. And so everyone has this idea of what a standard and um, expectation of something should be and same thing with the media right the media portrays now that it's in the media um, movies and shows highlight certain aspects of it because that's what they think it is and honestly you can literally have a scene that doesn't involve any of the gear there's no gear at all. You can just talk to them. Your words are so powerful. Or take out the words. You don't have to say a damn thing. A look, a simple gesture of your hand, right? That is so powerful that that right there, minimizing, taking away everything else. And you're just like, shaking in your boots right you're just shaking from the thought of like oh my god what is she going to have me do next because they have control over your mind now and that is the true bondage of everything you approach this as the adorable dom you have a fun look about you do people come to you because they want to believe that nice can be nasty? Or is it that they believe that this person is the right type of person to take me to a place I don't expect? I think it's a little bit of both. Some will come to me thinking, oh, well, you know, she looks really sweet. Let's see how they're, they're kind of like testing me, right? Like mm -hmm. really experienced players. They'll be like, let's see how sadistic she really can be. And then I'm just so overly nice in my sessions, like giggling, laughing. And it kind of gets crazy. And they're just like, oh my God, she's a crazy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> But I say it so like nonchalantly and like calm about it that it should be normal. And I'm like, what's wrong? What's the matter? <laughs> Isn't this normal? And they're just like, uh, their minds just kind of break. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there are others who come to me with the idea of this is somebody so personable, right? She's the girl next door. She's the girlfriend that I could never get the sweetheart that I am trusting and willing to try this with because she is so open herself. Um, and I really enjoy that. I think that's so sweet that, you know, they're attracted to me because they view me as someone, um, not someone, I mean, hmm, what's the word here I'm looking for? It's, it's the girlfriend that they never could get. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That they really want to form that relationship with. And uh, the one that you want to take home to mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. That one. And then like at the dinner table, you're plugged up and in chastity type of thing. And nobody would know. <laughs> <laughs> there are, if I'm honest, a lot of fetishistic things about you. 
that I can see people coming to you for one reason, but it seems to me that the personality and the heart inside you would supersede that. If somebody comes to you with just one thing in mind, based on your look, does that make you happy? Or do you have to work around that to let them see the total you instead of just one aspect? I think now at this point in my career where I'm super picky and choosy, <laughs> which is great. Um, yeah, I no longer really encounter those people because I have such a strict process of you having to jump through hoops to get to me mm -hmm. in order to serve me. And one of them is why are you attracted to me or what about me attracts, you know, uh, pulls you towards me. And if it's just my looks or because I'm Asian or because of blah, 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 that's not going to work. Like I want an in-depth, like, oh, I've listened to your podcast. I know about your personality. You're so amazing. You're super animated. Like, give me something more mm -hmm. because if you want me to look at you as something more than just a dollar sign, than just a like quick one night stands, whatever type of thing, you know, when I play, um, then you need to give me that respect of looking at me and seeing me as a human, as a person that you want to form a connection with. And I think with so many people through different walks of life coming into the industry or who have been in it for a long time, um, interacting with sex workers or hiring a professional, it's just like, you know, we, this is our job but we are also humans. And especially in this day and age where everybody is looking at connection for a connection, like that's so important to realize that like, oh, hey, yeah, I respect you. I respect your work. I appreciate it. And I'm going to support you in that. And once you do that, everybody, whoever is on the other side is going to acknowledge it appreciate it be filled with gratitude and just give you a reward back right it's a give and take but if someone comes in with like an idea of like i'm paying for a service i don't know why i turned into a robot but i did <laughs> <laughs> the other person is just going to be like well fuck you don't need your money decline <laughs> how much of your how do I put this regular personality is in your Dom character or is it all mashed up into one beautiful package? It's pretty much all mashed up, very woven in the way I talk now is pretty similar to the way I talk in a session. I mean, yes, I will change the tones of my voice and be a bit more, you know, seductive depending on the session or what part I am at in the session other parts I can be laughing maniacally at my own jokes <laughs> but yeah there is no other person that comes out during session I'm pretty much who I am yeah I pretty stay true to who I am and as much as I've watched other people play as much as I have studied other people's uh you know their archetype and their type of uh persona that they embody in a session and who they are outside I'm like in awe of them right like wow you can keep that totally separate and I have tried it out myself to be like okay well this is me this is not me and it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't feel natural. Other people can feel it. It's not natural. And uh, yeah. 
whatever works for you, you should just go with it. <laughs> Is there anybody you looked up to or someone who was a mentor or a teacher for you as you started this? Mm, I have traveled a lot around the world. So a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, not really technique wise um, for certain things. And then when I became more serious about it, I was um, with Damiana Chi in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. And took a bunch of online classes from varying um, individuals, especially COVID was great, right? Everybody was just <laughs> teaching online, sharing knowledge, and I was just gobbling it all up. So a lot of knowledge from everywhere, per se. And I think for me, that's how I like to learn, um, to pick and choose rather than uh, following a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Where like, this is the way and you must do the way. <laughs> Which is great, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And like, if it rings true to you, go for it. But uh, it's kind of like religion for me, right? Like, there's so many good aspects of everything. Take what you like and leave the rest type of thing. Yeah. When you went on your travels, what did you base your destinations on? Was it a place you wanted to see? Was it a certain thing you wanted to experience it? What drove your journey? Initially, I wanted to go somewhere I didn't stick out like a sore thumb. So I went to Asia. And when I arrived at that location, I would buy clothing, like local people clothing. So I would fit in and they wouldn't be able to tell I wasn't like a local unless I uh, started speaking in my Californian accent. <laughs> um, but that was so incredibly helpful because it just opened up so many doors, like so many people were welcoming of how much I was um, willing to adapt their culture and learn and study it and be a part of it and appreciate it. And so I just basically went all over Asia and the theme was meet some really cool people off of FetLife that I had been admiring and meet them in person and, you know, have beautiful connections with them. And the other theme was always chasing the sun. So literally the four years that I traveled, I didn't experience any coldness, like zero winters for four years. <laughs> I love sweating my ass off. <laughs> and um, other parts were also specific to festivals, right? Cultural festivals. So um, going to India for Holi or like being in Japan when the sakura trees were in bloom. That was actually cold. That was the one time I sacrificed being cold. Was <laughs> 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 to see those trees bloom. <laughs> But yeah, I think um, life is so beautiful and there's so many things that are offered around the world and really big events like that, that happen once a year or so. That's really celebratory. I really wanted to dive into and uh, just be a part of. We see nearly every day in this country, judging from one side to another, whether it be conservatives wanting to limit the way sex workers can make money to religious fanatics thinking that everything except what they want to do is wrong. But you have traveled the world and you have seen other things. What is the biggest thing that we're missing out on that they really get it right in other countries? So the biggest eye-opening thing for me was going to these third world countries. And, oh my God, 
it's so incredibly heartwarming when you meet a complete stranger and they will literally give you everything and sacrifice so much so that you can enjoy and have a good time because they want to represent their country because they're so proud. Like these people have nothing, nothing. And they're going to go sacrifice or like kill their one goat or their one of two goats so they could feed you this feast, right? And you're just like, what the fuck? You did not have to kill this goat for me. And they're just like, please, please, this is what we can do for you. And I'm like, I didn't, nothing, but arrive at your door and you have been giving me so much. And they're just like, just give us stories about your life, about your travels. Just open up our minds, just share with us what you know. And I was like, in awe, you know, like in the States right now, it's absurd, right? To go into a stranger's home and like, share a meal with them or even connect with them in that manner or like and everybody's kind of guarded of like well this is mine this is my stuff everyone's so proud of their materialistic bullshit and over there they just have so much love to give and you can tell that every smile that they give it there's so much love behind it you can see it you can feel it and uh yeah that right there changed my life that people who have nothing give more than those who have a lot. Was there a kinky moment in your travels that said to you, wow, it's a lot more accepted here, or it is much more normal here than it would be back at home? Well, the thing is, it feels more accepted there because I'm not from there. Mm. I have a finite time with these people. They know that their secrets are safe with me because I am heading out in the next week or so, right? So they are going to make this affair or this experience, this connection, the most beautiful and intense moment that they can and share as much as we can because you know life is short and that person's no longer going to be there and so I move on to the next one and then move on to the next part and that's the thing with people who don't travel or who stay put they feel the pressures of being judged by their friends, their family, their social group, right? Like, oh, what if this leaks out to somebody else? But if an outsider comes in, you're just like, oh, wow, this person is never going to come back or link back to any of like my surrounding people. So I can just literally have this moment with them and in a fleeting moment, it'll be gone. And, you know, that's trusting that they're not going to blackmail you, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's the beauty of being there or it's the beauty of um, accepting that time is of the essence. Where every moment counts. And we're going to take a moment right here to take a break. And when we return, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the interests that Miss Mei Ling has. And hopefully she'll be able to explain some of them to me because they are a little different than I've ever imagined. And we'll do that when we come back. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. 
curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. This is Tanya Tate. And have you listened to my podcast? Tanya Tate presents MILFs Making Money. I share a whole lot of positivity, tips and tools on how myself and other women in the adult industry make money on premium social media platforms. If you want to hear me interview many different guests, then get yourself over there, milfsmakingmoney.com. And you can also search my name, Milfs Making Money, on all of your usual podcast platforms. And if you enjoyed listening to What Women Want podcast, make sure you get yourself over and subscribe to my podcast, milfsmakingmoney.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, joined by Miss May Ling. And we'll do a little inside baseball here because, you know, you think of the glamour of doing podcasts. Miss May Ling, where are you right now? <laughs> you threw that curveball. <laughs> I am being a resourceful person and making things work. Um, I guess a little pun included is that uh, I will be coming out of the closet very soon. (laughs) (laughs) And here's what I have to say about that. The fact that you cared so much to give us good sound and good quality. I so appreciate that. But the other thing I wanted to share in that is that we will do what it takes to make things even better than other people even imagine. And when you have your sessions, I have seen the the pictures of how you dress and it is so different from session to session because at one point you can have the most delightful demure outfit and the next point you are wearing something that is screams fetish what are your favorite types of things to wear the most comfortable thing ah. <laughs> if so, you want a so good le- session, leggings and a t-shirt basically yes <laughs> if you want a good session you will allow her to be comfortable and if and it's also something that she is confident in right mm-hmm. so if she's confident in latex leather have at it girl go for it um but for me because <laughs> I love it when some people are like, please wear whatever you want. You can even come with no makeup on as long as you're happy and comfortable. I will literally show up with no makeup on in a onesie and I will legit kick your ass <laughs> and make you worship that onesie tail like a motherfucker. It's great. And you like, have fun right with what you have um this one time yeah majority of the time um i really appreciate those who say please don't bother showering beforehand i want to smell you and i'm like great gonna go do hot yoga come out super sweaty let's do this One of the things you talked about at the beginning of the show, and one of the things that you show as an interest is ABDL and diaper play and mommy dom. 
diaper play is something that is misunderstood by many. I am never one to yuck another's yum. And in kink, you never yuck another's yum because everything is strange to somebody sometime. Can you explain to me how you were able to get comfortable in the role of doing that kind of fetish and the kind of person that wants to do that because of the way that they were either raised or the things that they're trying to work through. Help us understand it. Um, so the way I got into it was it was presented to me. They gave me ideas of what you could do with it. And then I was just like, okay, cool. It was great. Let's just do whatever we want with it. And I kind of thought outside of the box of like what you normally use it for as well, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I can just take a diaper and slap someone in the face. <laughs> Better yet, you know, like have it dirty and soiled and then use it as dodgeball now, dirty diaper dodgeball and just throw it at them. <laughs> so think outside of the box, right? You don't want to look at... um your bondage table and you're just like wow this is how you always use the bondage table no sometimes I literally just stand on the top of the bondage table so I can feel taller and make them seem smaller <laughs> um yeah there's so many different ways you can use it and if it is something that you think is gross think of it as a different way right mm -hmm. like um also why I love playing with things that are not in my play bag, things that I literally see around me, everyday objects. Mm -hmm. Go through everything in your kitchen. Great. That spatula, break it mm -hmm. on someone's ass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Pervertibles. Yes. All <laughs> these things are very usable. Use it. Use, open that mind and be creative with whatever you want. It's just a diaper. It's that's literally it it's padding it's cotton in stuffing in this little plastic thing that's mm -hmm. it it's yeah and i think that like kind of breaks it down so it, um makes it seem less scary or something <laughs> but it is also your clients or your bottoms safe space this is where they can be themselves Yes, it is where they can be themselves. And it is definitely the idea of accepting it, right? So creating the environment of like, here, this is now the new norm. For this amount of time, wearing a diaper is just your life. Being stuck in this wet thing forever for this amount of time or until you get a change is now the life and the people that come into it is literally the same people you get coming into kink they come from all walks of life super high-end executive to you know person who is literally just turned 21 and read about it somewhere and is curious to try it <laughs> mm -hmm. saved up a bunch of money so they, they can try it and the common theme that comes around it is like feeling safe and nurtured and being held in this space or being super humiliated, um, being made fun of for it. So yeah, it varies. Again, with every type of touch, with every kind of scene, it varies. There are different types of diaper play. There are different types of diapers. There are multiple diapers that you can put on a person. Just, it's endless. But the bottom line is, it's just a diaper. It, it doesn't come along with any taboos, any like, oh my God, can you believe that type of stuff? <laughs> like, no, it's like, it's created for a multitude of people to use. 
I think it's even weirder that people use things that aren't that have like conjured up to uh, play with. Right. I, I think that's like, wow, you really went for it to me more than a diaper, <laughs> like creating some specific device to do this. And like, if I push this button, it'll insert this into my butt. And I'm like, wow, you really went for it. <laughs> I think diaper play is very simplistic, very like back to the bare bones, back to the good old days. <laughs> On the other end of the spectrum, is something that I started a massive Twitter conversation with former guest Lady Vi, the Satanatrix up in Seattle. And we got into a discussion because I do not know about being on the receiving end of this, and I don't think I ever want to be. <laughs> and that is ball busting. I have met people who enjoy it one of my friends in the local community likes to bottom to his wife. Basically, he is a speed bag to her punches. <laughs> and she wears MMA gloves to do it. Cute. I look and he is joyful. I look and she is joyful. And I am putting my legs closer and closer together because it hurts to just watch. Explain to me your thought process when your kick meets his balls. I don't think it is the point where it meets the balls for me. It's the anticipation. Mm. It's the before mind fuck of it all or the intensity, you know, when you like are about to kiss somebody for the first time and you lean in and you like feel each other's breath. You're just like, oh, this is going to be amazing. That's how I feel about kicking balls. That moment of when my foot will touch and slap their balls and shove it inside their body that beforehand all everything that leads up to that moment is so much fun for me the flinching the like nervous look of their face the oh I can't look at this the oh I'm going to hold this position and not move because she deserves this target type of thing mm. that for me is what I enjoy it's not necessarily the like the kicking of the balls like that's that's great too don't get me wrong it's wonderful but all the before part of messing around with them, of counting down, of the look at me in the eyes as I deliver this kick to you. <laughs> that is what makes my heart sing. <laughs> Another thing you have on here, and I wanted to discuss it because I don't know what my comfort level is, but the way you have put it in here is interesting. And I'm going to read from your website. This is for slut training and forced by. I enjoy forced anything. Watching your face as it contemplates my pleasure is the best. One aspect is watching you suck it. My goal has always been to stretch someone's holes wider than they can open their mouths. Consider anal yoga or contortion. It's so much fun to watch people bend over backwards and waver their sexual desires just for my own amusement. Why not make your coming out party and call in my bull? Get And you talked about... Uh, get started with these clips and read the blog about whether or not participating in the kink would make you gay. It's an interesting concept because I have had a couple of men participate in scenes that I've been involved in. And because I had a consent violation involving a man playing with me when I didn't know it, I obviously have a little trepidation when it comes to it. Explain to me a little bit about 
what you are able to teach through forced buy? First of all, I am so sorry to hear that. That sucks. Um, Thank you. <laughs> with forced buy, obviously, if someone is coming to me with the idea of forced buy, they they are bringing it up first, right? Mm -hmm. So I am giving them that final push to making that fantasy a reality. Lifestyle-wise, I'm always like, be open-minded who you may be straight now, but you can never really form a complete and full picture of something until you have tried it. And it doesn't have to be, you know, second day. It could just be something very minute in the realm of just playing or touching or anything involving a male, another uh person who is of the same gender mm -hmm. so that that aspect is like i think um in everyday life you should go through it with a fluid idea and being flexible in your mind and willpower mm -hmm. to every situation right because if you are extremely stringent and strict and like, this is all I do, well, you're passing up a lot of opportunities that you don't even know is an option for you because you've already written it off as what could bring you pleasure or what could make you happy or just some idea of something different, right? So that whole for spy aspect is the part where I just want people to come into it. Like if you're already coming into kink with an open mind, then your sexuality should also have an open mind because you're limiting what you can do by limiting that part of you. And for spy could be one extreme. The other one is, you know, Again, varying levels of what that interaction could look like, what that play could look like. And you're providing a safe space in which to do that. Yes. It's, it's very much like they are coming to me with this idea. And I'm like, great. You know what you're getting into. We both are here for it. We negotiated it. And I hire professional bulls. You know, these just aren't other people who could mess up the vibe of this scene, right? I'm hiring other professionals that I know who also do this, right? Are very familiar with kink and consent and everything within the realm of BDSM to hold this safe space for them to explore. I don't want anybody's first time to like, um, I think, when you come to a professional, you are coming in with the idea of, okay, I trust them. This is their work. They are professional. I will give it into, I trust it within their hands, right? And if you, as a professional, put it into the hands of someone who is not another professional, it changes the scene. It changes the whole dynamic. It changes everything of the session. So I like keeping it within that. Now, there are some scenes that involve um, people who are not in the industry, who are vanilla or who are starting in the industry and who are not too um, familiar with it. But that's also requested by the people. They want to be the wow factor of new people, right? Like, oh my gosh, do you have any friends who have no idea? Like, I want to shock them. Let's, let's put on a good show for them. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do it. That's fine too. But when it comes to something as a uh, quote unquote serious as forced by, yeah, I want to keep that professional. <laughs> and the next paragraph in your website says, not particularly a kink, but I do enjoy holding space to heal those who endured sexual trauma. BDSM has helped me reclaim my power and I love to use it 
to help others start living their true life again. That's so important just as a human to be able to help people through their traumas and their things. What is it about BDSM that helped you? A little backstory of my sexual traumas. I was raped at the age of 16, held sexually hostage and sexually assaulted from 16 to 17. And you kind of have like a Stockholm syndrome when that occurs. You're very young. You don't know what's going on and you're trusting this individual um, and you're just trying to survive. You know, it's not good, but then you, your brain kind of forms like this. Uh, uh, why do I kind of like it? And then why do I feel ashamed and hate myself because I like it? And I battled with it so much. And when I went to the dungeon, I saw things that were occurring that happened to me but in a safe, consensual way, right? Mm -hmm. And that just opened my eyes of like, wow, I shouldn't feel bad because I enjoy this, right? Because it's like caring for each other. It's another way of caring for each other mm -hmm. by providing that space for you to completely let go and feel something different and release um, whatever emotional blockages. I, I thought that was so powerful and that right there healed a lot of stuff for me and so I just want to give back you know like so much was already taken away from you if something has happened to you and for you to go through life feeling empty like that it just sucks because I've lived it and life could be so much more and it's so beautiful when you really feel empowered when you really take charge of your life again and i think it's important that people live their lives and not just kind of go through the motions because they are alive it's important to be appreciative of what you have and like make the most of it Earlier in the program, you talked about chasing the sun. And where have you ended up but in the brightest city in the world in Las Vegas? <laughs> you still travel a lot, but what is it about Las Vegas? And it does get cold from time to time. I've been there when it's cold. <laughs> what is it about Vegas that makes it home for you? Uh, you know... Growing up, I always watched a lot of movies that took place in Vegas. So there's like a lot of glitz, glam, the lights, uh, the gorgeous women, and that like fast, crazy lifestyle, right? And I wanted that lifestyle that like anything can happen any day at this place. And so it's a place where I truly feel like, yeah. You could wake up and just make a shit ton of money, or you could go do something completely stupidly ridiculous <laughs> because it's Vegas. And a lot of people come to Vegas with that mindset, right? I'm here on vacation, or I'm here for a convention, and blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to do that Vegas lifestyle and go big or go home type of thing. And so I'm constantly surrounded by that. And for me, having that, as an everyday option, the Gemini inside of me is just like, yay, you're never bored. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing place, that is for sure. I have so enjoyed speaking with you uh, this evening. Uh, you are adorable. You are also very insightful. And I really appreciate you taking us on your journey that has taken you all over the world and taken you to places that are still uncharted territory for many and being able to make it feel pretty familiar for us. And I thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. This was fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> what an amazing and insightful interview. 
She is adorable, but she has lived a life that is worth living. And I'm really happy she shared that journey with us today. Next week, another woman who has lived an interesting life. She was a journalist and decided to write a fictional book about a secret life as a dominatrix. And it turned out the fiction was based on her real life. She lost her job as a radio presenter and some of her journalistic jobs, but now has gained this newfound confidence as a pro-dominatrix and a person of the theater in Great Britain. We meet the one and only Melissa Todd next week on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Until then, I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.